In today's competitive e-commerce environment, it's never been more important to earn and maintain the trust of your customers. Merchant Fraud Journal's To Catch a Fraudster podcast is supported by SIFT, the leader in digital trust and safety. SIFT empowers companies to stop fraud and grow without risk. Visit SIFT.com assessment to schedule a consultation with SIFT's trust and safety architects. Industry experts who have decades of fraud fighting experience at companies like Facebook, Square, and Google. They'll help create a custom plan for your business with an emphasis on technology, organizational structure, and process. Visit sift.com slash assessment today. And we're live. Ariel, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for hosting me, uh, Bradley. It's our pleasure. pleasure It's our pleasure to have you. So let's start off with who you are, where you're from, who you represent, and then we'll jump right in. Great. So my name is Ariel Chen. I'm a 30 years old Israeli entrepreneur uh, from Jerusalem. Um, all my life, I've been in the e-commerce, fintech, and marketing industries. And currently, I'm the co-founder and CEO of Chargeflow. At the age of 14, I founded and scaled my first e-commerce company. After serving in the Israeli Defense Board for three years as a technology unit chief, um, my new career led me to relocate to Miami, Florida, to work for a fintech company where I served as the VP of Merchant Services and later as the VP of Business Operation. My younger brother, which is the ultimate partner in any challenge I have in my life, has launched with, along with me multiple e-commerce brands, transforming fully bootstrap businesses into eight-figure companies built on Shopify and different type of e-commerce platforms serving more than a half a million customers globally. In the wake of the high fraudulent chargeback rates, we have teamed up once again to reinvent the system and assist other merchants. Our mission at Chargeflow is to empower merchants to navigate the fraud and chargebacks world. We aim to solve a problem that every retailer and online business experience when launching and scaling their businesses. Awesome. Well, we really appreciate you having uh, taking the time to come on the, the show here. We spoke a little bit beforehand and you told me you have some great stories, which I haven't heard yet. So let's jump right in with the first one. Yeah. So currently today we're uh, getting contacts from different type of merchants on, um, on our platform and they come up with the background story or with current issues that they experience in one of one of them is actually a bit unique because there is almost no way to uh, identify and uh, find a way to mitigate that fraud. Um, so they had a customer, which is a reputable fraudster um, that keeps making transaction and causing chargebacks in their business over $10,000 uh, in a period of few months. And what they were doing is actually um, they were buying gift cards on their store, and then they were using those gift cards to actually purchase product on the store. So they're like um, moving that uh, identification into a different card where it's impossible to recognize the fraud if you're not linking between them. 
we were actually be a, being able to help them out and um, suspend this customer account as well preventing him from making additional purchases and setting prevention measures on this specific uh, fraudulent activity moving forward. So gift cards are definitely a huge, huge deal, especially uh, I think we'll ring a bell. This is going to be the first time I'm going to say it as we approach the holiday season. Ding, 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 ding. Uh, as we're here in mid-July recording this. Um, take me through why gift cards are so difficult and how you advise merchants to set up defenses that would be proactive as opposed to just waiting to find out later and having to react what can they do on the on the front end yeah so actually um when they offer gift cards for their customers so sometimes people buy it to uh, just give it to other person or sometimes they buy it because it has some sort of a discount. Fraudsters use it to actually uh, purchase that gift card and use it as a credit card without any identification, which were actually um, made by the store, right? So it's a gift card that's made by the store. Now they have a code or an actual card where they can purchase online or they can actually go into Walmart, Target and buy some sort of um, uh, one-time card where they have a balance and then use it to create fraudulent activity and then charge back the transaction. Now, if they use a credit card to buy a gift card and then the actual card was stolen, so for the merchant, there is no way to identify that gift card were uh, connected with fraud. Um, different type of solution out there in the market are not able to help with that because they're not linking what we do at chart so we actually been able to set uh internal rules where we link between that gift card and the initial transaction that happens and we're able to recognize mitigate and uh, prevent it from happening as well setting additional policies um like we're able to cancel any gift card at any given time when we recognize fraudulent activity without uh, without the need to, you know, um, be proactive with the customer if we recognize this type of activity. So it sounds like you're telling me that you're not going to be able to prevent this type of fraud if you are a merchant, that you need some kind of additional layer of security. Is there, is that true? Is there nothing that merchants can do otherwise? So they can actually uh, recognize that if they have a very low amount of uh, transactions, but if if we're talking about a merchant that you know generating hundreds of transactions every month, and of course if it comes to thousand or hundred of thousands, then it becomes to be very hard if you don't have an automation in place. If you're getting ten transactions per month, you probably be able to link between it after you do some investigation um it will not be that easy but eventually you get in a chargeback trying to understand what happened and once you get that chargeback you investigate and try to mitigate it your own once you recognize it's not uh it's not going to be a best practice to do it in-house so you look for a different 
different services or different type of uh, chargeback solution. Um, and then uh, you're not going to be happy when you sound that there is no other solution offering the same. So take me through, if you can, for merchants that might be experiencing this issue and have yet to onboard a solution. I just want to make sure that we're we're digging down into this for our SMB audience that's listening. If they don't currently have a solution and they're looking to go through their data after an attack, what should they be looking for? They should look for, first of all, um, all the fraudulent um, check marks that they have in the platform. For example, in Shopify, once you receive a chargeback, you're probably going to have fraud analysis that will provide you, first of all, a trigger if it's a medium or high risk transaction. Once you do get it, we recommend to investigate it, to request additional information from the customer. Fraudsters usually will not uh, respond back to you. So you won't be receiving anything. And once you do that, once you get that, you should set a specific timeline for yourself when you're going to refund the transaction uh, if you're not going to hear back from the customer. So you set a week, for example, if you don't, uh, we recommend a week because later it could be resulting in a chargeback. Uh, we're talking about stolen credit cards. So once the, uh, the high-risk transaction arrived, which is related with that, for example, gift card purchase or different type of product that purchased online. So you'll have um, just a few days to to investigate and refund the transaction. And if you're not going to do that, it's going to be a result in a chargeback that will be um, will be almost no chance to recover. So you need to prevent it before. So do you, chargeback is- do, you, do you, sorry, I just want to jump in. Do you have any recommendations for how to go about that? Because it seems like a very high friction process to be reaching out to potential customers. Is there advice there on how you should do this, what you should be saying? What, what would you tell to people looking yeah. to implement that? So just proactively. Yeah, it could set that as a process internally. You should proactively request from any type of uh, high-risk transaction that was triggered by your uh, payment processor or your uh, fraud solution you use or different type of uh, payment gateway services. They offer fraud prevention. Um, you are able to request from the customer um, additional information, for example, his ID or a statement uh, screenshot that will prove that he's the card owner and then proof of delivery address. So wherever he actually ordered that product to, you want to see that he lives in that location or has any relation with that. And that's it. Once you have uh, one or two of those three uh, items, so you know, it's, uh, it's safer to ship the transaction to the actual order. And um, it lowered the risk at maybe 70 to 80%. So it's very important to do that. If you don't have it and you this transaction would trigger, it could be related with the IP address, the address of 
uh, billing or shipping uh, that were related with different type of uh, fraudulent transaction that happened before in those databases. And you only need to uh, mitigate that risk and do it your own as a merchant. It could be done in a low scale, but when it comes to high scale, we really recommend using an automated solution for that. Um, there are many different companies out there that provide that solution. Sion, for example, they provide you visibility over those um, transactions, give you a score if it's uh, if it's safe to, to ship. And also Shopify and Stripe and um, other payment uh, facilitators give you that feature that will be able to uh, recognize how um, how risky it is to ship these uh, orders or to actually fulfill them if it's a service. So I want to shift a little to the enterprise here. If you're a larger company and you you kind of know that this is what you should be doing and you're setting up a an automated system, how should you be configuring that system for success? So using those fraud solutions, they actually have already uh, implemented automated uh, technologies and rules that will help you recognize those transactions. Once they're recognized, so you have everything you need to actually um, get a decision. So there is always a risk, even if it wasn't um, triggered by any system, you have a risk when you ship an order or you fulfill it because you don't know the customer, you never seen it. Um, you can never know what is the outcome of that transaction but you know that you know uh, one or two percent of your business will be eventually a result of chargeback. Now, what you're gonna do with that? It's it's a good question. If it's a fraudulent chargebacks, so you have a problem because those transactions are not almost non able to recover. If you're uh, having chargebacks as a result of friendly fraud. Uh, you can implement solutions, for example, like uh, Chartflow or different type of services that are available in the market, and they will help you mitigate that chargeback risk that result in friendly fraud. And it means that this transaction was not result of a stolen credit card or some sort of uh, real fraudulent activity. It just unjustified chargeback that happens in your store. And currently we're experiencing 85% of those chargebacks are illegitimate and shouldn't be, um, shouldn't be open as a chargeback in the first place. Now, there are different type of um, uh, reverse transactions, for example, uh, arbitration uh, and inquiries where the actual bank is trying to get additional information on the transaction and it caused in a uh, chargeback-like uh, result where you get a fee for just, uh, um, for just being requested by the bank to send additional information about the transaction. So we really recommend enterprises to implement a post-purchase chargeback solution and also pre-purchase fraud prevention to have a 360 degree protection 
on their transaction at any given moment. So I want to I want to rephrase my question a little bit. What I'm getting at is when you are an enterprise vendor and you're negotiating with with one of the the chargeback prevention solutions, usually those conversations are going to focus amongst other things around risk thresholds. And when we're talking specifically about gift cards, they're obviously a very very lucrative and important part of enterprise companies' businesses, especially, as we said, when you get closer to the holiday season when they're most used. So what would your advice be when you are negotiating as a head of risk or a CEO or whoever it is that's doing the negotiations with a chargeback solution or chargeback prevention solution provider to have that risk threshold set at a point that is going to be optimal to prevent fraud without causing too much friction for legitimate customers looking to use gift cards? So they need to adjust the system to actually look for those gift card products that are available uh, on their store and make sure that the system taking them as one of the products that out there and link any fraudulent activity with those gift cards. So it's a rule set system that probably most fraud prevention companies should have. Um, and if they don't have it, so yeah, you should ask those questions before. Um, so I would say that it's a specific case that not happen that often, but it do uh, exist and is one of those fraudulent activities that um fraudsters do online okay next story yeah um so actually i wanted to to uh share something that happened in our business and just wanted to uh give a heads up it's not related with credit card chargebacks but it does happen a lot when you uh when you're uh making commerce, usually online. So at our past operation, we receive a check into our bank, an actual wire of $70,000. And we weren't expecting it. I was checking my books and actually seeing that and trying to find out if we've closed any wholesale transaction or something related with it. Um, because it was weird. Everything happening in the business come through, um, usually come through my hands if it's related with sales and, you know, uh, of course, large sales like those. And I got an email from unknown person, which were saying uh, that they delivered the $70,000 by mistake and they want to get their money back. Uh, and this is their bank account information. And uh, they asked to send that money back without the bank fees. Now, uh, it means it's not going to be the same exact amount. So they sent 70000 and they asked to send it without the $50 fee our bank was charging. And, uh, you know, when you are holding money that is not yours, the only thing you want to do is actually send it back. And I don't want to have any connection with that. I'm not sure what is that money. And um, it's not it's not my cash. It's not my business cash. 
I never got it. And, you know, when you get cash, you also need to uh, create an invoice for that. And there is no invoice to create on this transaction. So the, the first instinct, you say, okay, I'll send it back. But, um, you know, I was suspecting, of course, and I wasn't doing anything specifically, just investigating what could be the case. And I said, it's better wait and see what happened. I tried to contact the bank. They, they, they verified it's not coming from any fraudulent source or something like that. Um, and guess what happened? One week later, when I was actually uh, supervising that transaction to see what's going on, it was credited back to their account. Wow. So, yeah. So if I were sending this money back less $50, there wasn't even a way to prove it. It wasn't a actual, um, it wasn't the same transaction. It's not a refund, you know, it's not the same transaction. So there is no way you can prove even you were, uh, you know, it was any type of uh, fraud. You're just sending money back to their account using different account number. Yeah, it's not the same. They asked to deliver it to a different account. Um, and eventually you were losing both the transaction you received and the actual wire you made later to refund that money. How are and they getting the money back? Amazing. How are they getting that money back? Are they just telling their bank it was a mistake or, or? So eventually what happened there is that someone hacked into their account and made that wire. And then that person reached out to us and asked us to deliver this amount of money to a different bank account. Gotcha. Because he knew what he was doing. He probably found our, I'm not sure how he found a routing number and account number. But this is how important is your account and routing to make sure your organization is very safe. Even thought, you know, it's not secret and you tend to deliver it in your invoices. You must make sure that you're aware of any transaction getting into your bank. And so the, so the, the original account that had sent you the money had been hacked and they didn't know about it and they send you the money, then the hacker calls you up, says, hey, sorry about that. Can you send money to this other account? You send them that money. So they steal the amount that, that they had sent from the hacked account. What happens though to the legitimate owner of the hacked account? Are they just telling their bank, hey, I didn't authorize this transfer? Yeah, and that's how the money's that's going right. back? Okay, okay. That's right. They say that they never authorized that. And then in some cases in the US, if it's a... Uh, if it's an ACH transaction, it could probably be reversed. Also, if it's a regular wire, you know, it's between US banks, so it could be uh, reversed in some way. But if it's a international wire transfer, there is almost no chance you're gonna get your money back. And it's very risky. Now, if I were delivering that money into their the hacker account, uh, the result were that I won't be seeing that money. So it's probably were a temporarily bank account or something similar to that. You know, it could be even a uh, Western Union account that he's presenting some fake IDs and then he's gone with the money. 
Right. You can never okay. know where you deliver that. So right. it's very risky. You should keep your routing and checking account very uh, safely and know who you are sending it to. Again, just because businesses tend to uh, set it in their invoice, in their bottom, just to pay their bills. So everybody can just send money and then ask for refund because they actually never tend to send it to their account. And then uh, it could be resulted in fraudulent activity if you're not uh, if you're not suspecting the transaction. I got you. So by the hacker hacking a US based account and they're sending the money, they don't the hacker doesn't care that you do or that the the hacked account owner gets money back or not. They're just trying to get they're trying to bait you to send you the money. But the reason that that original bait is getting pulled out is because the uh, the hacked account owner will contact their bank yeah. and say I didn't authorize this and if it's between two US banks they'll just ship it back. That's right. I didn't know that was a thing. I know that's how chargebacks work, but I thought if you do a wire transfer or some kind of interbank transfer that that's permanent. And what is the reason that the banks will just send it back to someone that says, "Hey, my account so, was hacked." Yeah. If they recognize, yeah, so if they recognize that your account was a result result with a fraud, so they will try to help you and get your money back. They have some sort of uh, security on your account and they have some sort of, um, you know, they give you online account and it's not, it has some sort of uh, insurance where if someone hacked their systems, it could be not because of you even, you know, someone just tried and successfully logged in into their systems and were able to uh, send money out of accounts of customers' bank. So it's right. not even a result of a password comfort right. being compromised and, or something like right. that. They I need to recover you. that. And then on your end as the business that that sent the money to the hacker, the bank's just going to look at you and say, well, this is a completely separate transaction. Why'd you send it to this person? That's on you. Because you haven't been hacked, yeah. and you you just sent the money on your own, so there's no. That's right. That's your responsibility. Right. Wow, I've never heard that one. That's a new one. That is that is <laughs> definitely a new one. It's a it it always yeah. it always amazes me what people come up with, and these people that do these things. Certainly, as an entrepreneur yourself, I always feel they would do really well if they were just in legitimate business, and I don't know why they go through all this trouble to to scam people that's right that's right they have like they have the um, they have the mind to uh create probably smart businesses but they don't use it they want to do uh they want to get easy money and um you know it's not it's not our fault they do that we just yeah. need to uh, make sure we're protected as business owners and also as personal uh yeah yeah so i want to dive into that a little bit tell me how you view the idea of protecting your business from fraud holistically not just gift card fraud or this type of fraud what kind of processes what kind of teams what kind of technology as a a, a high strategic level thought 
would you recommend to people out there listening that might help them improve their defenses? That's a good question. Um, and any, any type of business will reach into that level at certain point. And I think that um, what every business should do and should have is, um, first of all, they need to communicate with the customers. That's, uh, that's a key point to know that, uh, first of all, your customers are who they say you are, they are. And second, uh, you know, there is anything in business that is important is your customers. Second, you should probably set um, internal broad policies, how you deal with specific transactions, for example, above a certain amount, um, and then how you investigate it, set the rules of steps, and your team should follow it. And those orders should be inspected and you need to set different type of uh, delivery methods for high, high ticket amount. Uh, you wanna get signature confirmation from the carrier. So you will have better proofs and you need to improve your policy. Um, if you see that you're getting too many chargebacks on uh, for example, on the reason credit not processed, so you know you have a problem with your um, return policy. You might want to extend the time you're able to provide return to customers. And you want, might want to have more exceptions to customers who are uh, requesting refund, even thought the timeline has exceeded. And this may result in preventing chargebacks without implementing a solution, but actually setting some rules of um, business suit that will help you mitigate additional uh, friendly fraud. Other than that, I'll say that every business should have a transaction review. And then additionally to that, post-purchase chargeback mitigation solution or service. The reason it's better to use automation in both sides is that it's scalable no matter how fast you move. And currently e-commerce is booming and you have all the ability to scale your business from zero to $1 million in one month. You just need to know how you advertise and get the actual stock. Make sure you're all set up with your teams and you can uh, bump up all your budgets and um, get additional sales. It all depends how you tune your business to make sure you keep profitable all the time, or if your goal is to actually get growth. So, you know, make sure you're not uh, running out of your uh, bottom line. Now, setting up fraud prevention automation, for example, uh, if we're talking about insurance companies like Riskified or Signified, um, so they will insure any transaction that are result of a fraud and they will provide you the approval slash decline. But it's all depend on how many transactions they're able to approve. So it's not always the best chance 
to take and you might want to um, to find different fraud solutions that you'll be the one who deciding what is your decline rate here and this is taking you to Sion, for example, or no fraud, which are companies that provide you the ability to choose if you are going to shift the shift that item or not. And they're not like setting a rule that this transaction will be declined and refunded right away as a result of uh, database relation with some fraudulent activity uh, that they might think. Again, it's not always 100%. It's very close there, but uh, it's different. And the reason you need chargeback mitigation automation is that uh, it's simply a work that shouldn't be done um, by data entry or your customer support. Your customer support should handle your customers. And almost at any business, if it's not very large, they don't have a fraud prevention department internally that investigate transactions. They don't have the budget and they don't need to have a budget to actually set uh, fraud experts in their business to check on transaction and to, re to respond on chargebacks. It's not making any sense. Um, you implement the solution, it's scalable. And then the next thing is actually, uh, once you use that chargeback automation solution, you will have, um, first of all, scalability. Once you receive more chargebacks, the system will be able to respond every one of them on time. You won't be spending time on generating reports. It, it will happen uh, for you. You will receive it in your email or your dashboard at any given moment. Uh, all your chargebacks will be updated on real time and um, the systems are, are actually learning uh, using artificial intelligence or, uh, for example, in Chargeflow, we do use some models to improve and optimize response from time to time and tailor every business into the solution. So it's actually um, increasing the win rate. We were able to increase businesses bottom line by six to eight percent by removing any uh, manual work from their teams and automating the process while improving their chargeback win rate and making sure that fraudsters are not uh, repeatable making purchases and opening chargebacks on their business so we're also able to recognize fraud rings in their business. If there is a chargeback related with fraud, um, we're actually investigating transactions and linking them to make sure there are no additional orders that are available that their additional fraud prevention service or solution haven't recognized and then we instruct them to refund that transaction because it's going to be charged back for 99% within the next few days. Well, Ariel, that is an amazing breakdown of the complicated world that we all live in. So I really appreciate it. I'm sure our listeners do. Why don't you tell everyone uh, where they can find you on the web if they have any questions? Uh, Ariel is is 
a serial entrepreneur, as he said. So anyone who, who wants to reach out, I'm sure you're, you love to grow your network. So why don't you tell everyone where, uh, where they can find you and Chargeflow on the web, and then we'll sign off. Yeah. So first of all, Chargeflow uh, could be found in, uh, in, in the URL, chargeflow.io, or just look for Chargeflow in Google. As well, we're uh, featured in Shopify App Store. So you can just look for a chargeback solution or Chargeflow in the App Store, and you'll find us right away. We're uh, given a seamless onboarding experience for merchants. So you should be up and running within 60 seconds once you decide you want to use the solution. We will only charge merchants based on um, success. So only once your chargeback is recovered on the merchant side, we will charge them. It becomes, um, it, it gives them a win-win situation where uh, there's simply nothing to lose and there are no monthly fees. If they don't have chargebacks this month, they're not gonna pay. If they have a lot of chargebacks, they know we're, uh, we got their back and um, we wanted to create that experience. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Ariel. We really appreciate it. And hopefully you'll come back. You'd be welcome to come back another time in the future. Thank you very much, Rodney. Right. Take care.